You're listening to the Yeshiva of Newark at IDT podcast. I'm your host and curator, Rabbi Aprom Kivalevich, and I hope you enjoy this episode. All right. Shalom Abrocha, this is Shuva Sopoiskim. And uh, in some ways, this is, as I was saying before, this is an extension of what we were doing last week. Uh, it's still only two weeks uh, uh, since the Ptira of someone who I think the world now knows can be called Agayna Tzadik, uh, Rabbi Yehuda ben Rabbi Dave Kelmer. Um, I think since his Ptira, there's just been a greater, greater wave of of Zechreinus and Psokim and Hoyrois uh, that really indicate what we have lost. Last week, which of course was a Rosh we sort of had to skirt around the idea of a Hespid. Um, it's still within Shloishim. And as I said last week, um, you would like to uh, be Mekim based Medrish Al Kvoroi. And the way we do that, of course, is by the best way, of course, is by learning his Taira. Um, I heard from my Rebbe and sort of father figure of Nota Greenblatt that um, we we see in the um, kinnis of Tishabov in the in the kinna that describes the Yasaruge Malchus. It uh, it goes into the death. I'm just trying to see if I have the kinnis right here. I've had it before. The death of the of all the uh, Anoshim who died in Kiddush Hashem. Now, we know that some of that is a little bit of a poetic uh, license. We know they all didn't die uh, biyachad, but we do know that that Rabbi Shimon Ben Gamliel and Rabbi Yechonin Kayin Godel, we know that uh, that Rabbi Shmuel Kayin Godel and Rabbi Shimon Ben Gamliel did die uh, really right next to each other, right in the same time. In fact, the, uh, this seems to be clear that there was a girl that they decided, you know, who was going to die first. And that, uh, Rabbi Shimon Gamliel, uh, of course, uh, died first. And, uh, Rabbi Shmuel Kayin Gadol, uh, held his hand, held his head, his severed head in his hands. And then the, uh, the Kinnah says, some Einov al Einov. That he put his eyes onto the eyes that were on this from the severed head of, of Shemagamliel. And then he spoke out and said, This was this great tzaddik, this was this great ped, this was this great person. So Ravnota Greenblatt said that even though, of course, there is a very great drama in being able to, to think about that image, the drama of, 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 of Right before he died, holding the head of this of his beloved friend, the Nasi of Klal Yisrael, the Kohen God of Klal Yisrael, together, Ravnota felt that there was something unique here, and that was the fact that Rabbi Shmuel was offering a hespid in the moments before he died. He was offering a hespid for for Shimon Gamliel, and the fact that the Python says some Einov al Einov means that you have to sort of put your eyes. He put his eyes on the eyes of the nifter, which means that to really understand the nifter, you have to really see things from that nifter's perspective. You know, you can always uh, generate, you know, canned divreitera and uh, the usual hesper for everyone. But the way we really come to be maspid and to understand what we've lost is to really understand the outlook and the the attitude. And there's no obviously with the talmud chacham how that talmud chacham learned. So, Einav al Einav. So, 
uh, Rav Kellenberg did not leave a great wealth of 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 Torah, but I would say, as I said last week, uh, the kam the echus of this sefer Tosefus Ksuva is immense. Uh, the amount of uh, ideas and material in here, and I just want to share that with you. And we can, in some way, as much as Rav Kelmer is not with us, I think we could get a perspective of how he learned and how he looked at things. Um, now, so that is really what we're going to try to do. Uh, so for Shus, for Rabbi Huda and Rabbi Dave uh, Kelmer. I just heard, by the way, this week, again, for those of you that consider this significant, that he was a, uh, a whether it was 10 or 11 generations, 10 generations from the Baal Shem. So he was a, uh, it's not surprising, I guess, to know about his tzidkis, the great, uh, the, the, as the dam of the, of the Baal Shem of himself ran within this person who I think we realize was, was much, which perhaps even greater than the stories that we know about him, similar to the Baal Shem Tov. Anyway, so let's take a look here. Uh, this Sefer was written to tell people what is Iksuva, what is the Chiyuv, and you can see he writes in very uh, standard language here that a Baal is Chayyub and Mezenus Ishtoi. Okay? Now, where what is the Chiyuv of Mezenus? So it's a Machlekes Rishonim. Yesh Sefer Shuman Ataira. Because it's Sheru Lo Yigora, right? That this is when a person takes a second wife. Uh, this is as he takes the second wife, he first marries the Ome Evriya, and then he marries the second wife. We say, no, no, the Ome Evriya still gets whatever she had when she was the only wife, which shows you the Chiv that you have to your wife, She'era. So what does She'era mean? So some say the word She'era means food. So, so the chiv mezonos, it, it might be a daraisa, it might be a darabona. So let's think about what we just said. A man marries a woman. So there's a question about whether um, the chiv mezonos is even menatera at all. Is he chayiv to provide food for her menatera? He's married to her. Uh, obviously, they're living together. He wants them to live together. But is there a chiv mominus on the Baal, Menatera, or not? That's where we'll start with this question. Now, we start here with the Rambam. The Rambam, as Rav Kelmer points out in the notes, the Mezainus is Menatera. And he points out that this is actually uh, the sheet of the Tanakhama and Abrais of Ksuvis. Um and he says, if you look at Unkelis and Rashi and Chumash, you'll also see that that's the way they say She'era means Mezainus. Um, However, Rav Kelmer points out that if you look in Rashi and Ksuvis, not on the Chumash, Rashi seems to say clearly that the whole idea of Mezainus is a Takonus Chachamim. In other words, the Chachamim say, look, we want you to provide meals for your wife. And therefore, what we're going to do is we're going to make a a takana that any Jewish man who gets married needs to provide for his wife in such a way. And we're also going to sweeten the deal and say that you're going to be able to take any earnings that she has and pocket it in your pocket. And that was the way the Chazal structured it. But before that, it was not a chiv from the Torah. That doesn't mean that people weren't doing it. But it it, did, it wasn't from the Torah outright. 
um, Rav Kelmer right away, so take a look, shows you that the Yad Malochi talks about the fact that sometimes Rashi and Chumash is being mafarish an idea, not like Rashi in the Gemara, because Rashi and Chumash wants us to understand the simple pshat. Um, and then he mentions here, as you can see in a bracket, according to Haflo, uh, we're going to be miyash of the Rashi and Chumash to the Rashi in the Gemara. I'll talk about this, what this means in a second. All right. Um, he then brings here a, 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 a slew of Rishonim, uh, the Rashba, and he brings that uh, uh, as well, that, um, right, he brings here the Rashba, and, and he says this Rashba is in the Magad Mishnah. I'm sorry, the Rashba holds that it's Midaraisa. He says in the Chadusha Rashba, he couldn't find it. And there is a Chuvasa Rashba, which Rav Kelmer says might go either way. So again, is Mizonis from the Torah or not? But he says the Ramban, who is the Rebbe of the Rashba, says clearly in the Parish on Chumash that the Mizonis has to be Takonos uh, Chachomim. It's not Menatayra. Okay. So if we take, Rav Kelmer points out that if you look at this Ramban, again, so what do we have? We have Rashi. Uh, in Chumash, which is not necessarily the Psak, but we have the Rambam versus the Ramban, whether the Chiv Mizonos is from the Torah or not. That's our first uh, situation here. Now, this inspired me, and I hope that uh, you agree with me, that let's take a look at, together, let's take a look at the Ramban inside. So I have that here for you. So if we take a look at the Ramban. So let's take a look at the Ramban in Chumash first. We'll look at the Rambam in a second. But let's take a look at the Ramban in Chumash. The Ramban says, Pirsh Rashi, She'era Mezaynus. And that's the Unkelis as we saw before as well. Now, the Ramban points out, as Rav Kelmer said in the footnote, that, yeah, I know there's such an opinion. There is such a Tana, that Mezaynus is Araisa, that Sheira means Mezaynus. And obviously, Unkelis was influenced by that. And in fact, the Tana brings a Pusik from the uh, from the Pusik and Tilim, the Amtar Leim Ka'afar Sheir. This is a, 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 the Kapitel and Tilim, where David HaMelech describes the Nisim of, of Yitzhiyot Mitzrayim and beyond. So you see that God reigned upon them Share. It sounds like food that was coming down upon them. That was the Mazinus, like the Mun that came down upon them. So you see the word Share used by David Amelech is an idea of Mazinus. But the Ramban says that's a divrei Yochid. There is such a Tana, even though, but it's a Das Yochid. And the Halach is Mazinet Tiknei Rabbanan. And then he says, the Ramban says, look at Pshat. Why would the Torah, if it meant that you have to give her food, why would it use the word she'er? She'er, we know, means meat. Um, and, 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 and therefore, if you're talking about Mizonos, you wouldn't say give her meat. You would say or give her bread <laughs> because you need the, the carbs and the nutrition. Again, maybe people would disagree today, but this was, of course, the idea of, of, of almost everyone until very recently. Now, he says, the Eben Ezra, the Ramban says, says that, hmm, She'era is mazon, but it means because it gives the body, not to give her meat, but her body, her flesh of her body 
is given food, bread, and other sorts of carbs and nutrition. And now she, her flesh can now be a healthy flesh. And <laughs> Rabban doesn't like that. Hein bezeta. So, um, because because it says lo yigara, he should not d- deny her, should not give her any less. <laughs> he shouldn't give her any less of her own flesh. That's a weird way to say that. Therefore, the Ramban says, the pshat of the word goes against this opinion, which is the opinion of the uh, of the Rambam. So therefore, he says basically, she'er really means it's like the rest of your flesh. It's like there's your bosar, and then which is your essential flesh, and then there's the rest of it that's somehow connected to it. And that means, besides your own body, the flesh that's so close to your body. That's why it's your relatives. Your relatives are not your body itself, but they're very close to that. And therefore, the Ramban says the Pusik is really talking about uh, the physical relationship and not necessarily the sexual act, but actually the idea of being close physically, of having a physical contact, of her cuddling together, so to speak, uh, that's what he says is the chi of daraisa of she'era. And that's what he says over here. So he says she'era means kirav bisara. Ksus is you need blankets. And I know that's the actual physical act of koitis. That is doidim. That's the way the Rabban learns how pipshat. So Rav Kelmer understands there's actually a challenge to the Rambam's interpretation. This is the Ramban is basically... Uh, this is a, 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 a challenge to anyone who paskins differently. So let's take a look and see what uh, how Rev Kelomer answers this uh, uh, of this Ramban. So he says the following. Now, I, I just want to point out again, I said this a little bit uh, uh I pointed this out last week uh, as well, that, you know, he doesn't need to do this for this book. You know, this book was supposed to be a guidebook about what Iksuva is about and what are the general chiyuvim. But Rav Kelmer, obviously, his, uh, I'm, we're talking about Einov Einov. His Avas was so great. He, he couldn't just say, here's the Machlekes and figure it out yourself. He's going to use this footnote to explain the Rambam. So he says like this. Uh, I have two ways to answer the Rambam, he says. And they both are going to explain why She'er is a Din Mizoinus. Like this. So again, the question is, why is She'er the word for Mizoinus? She'er means meat, flesh. Doesn't mean uh, carbs and food. So the reason is, is because when the Torah says that you have to give your wife Mizoinus, it's really based on the fact that he calls, and again, this is a little graphic, the etzamaishus vizchusay betash meshamita. Being married to a woman means that you that she feels she you sleep with her, you have the pleasure of, of of her physical body of sleeping with her. So that's the reason why the Torah is saying, in a way, that's her she'era. This is what you owe her based on the schus that you have of sleeping with her. And um, he shows you, Rav Kellerman says, 
that the Gemara, in fact, says when it comes to the Tosefis Ksuv of adding, why we add the, to, to the 200 zoos, part of that is because of the pleasure of married life, of the extra pleasures of married life. So we see, again, it sounds very graphic and primitive, but that is the way the Torah writes it. Um, and he brings a riot to this Yisod from the Tzafnes Paneach, from the Ragged Shover. He says, what would be if you have an Aishas Koyin? So we know a Kohen is usher, is usher to live with a woman who has been raped. And even if his own wife has been raped, they now need to be divorced. It's unlike a Yisroel who uh, is mutter to a woman who has been forced, but a Kayan is usher. So now let's say a Kayan's wife was raped. Does he still owe her mizoinus or not? So the Rakhichov says that im mishum din if you want to say he owes her based on the she'er, oz kan Why? Look at the Lushen of the Ragged Shover that Rav Kalimer quotes. Pasak she'eros. The she'eros is gone. So the Ragged Shover, Rabbi Yosef Rosen, the great Goyen of Ragged Shov, he understood that the idea of mizonos was connected to the physical relationship. So since there's no She'erus, because you can't live with her anymore, you don't really have to owe her any Mesonis. Now, even though you would still have to give her Mesonis, but that's only Midrabonon. But the Din Darais, so you might not be Mechuyif, you don't, might not owe the Eshes Kayan, might not be owed Mesonis in the same way. So, um, for example, now, what are you going to say? So Rav Kellimer says, all right, what's the nafkamina then? If, if you owe her the Mizonos anyway. So again, Mizonos Torah, this is what he's explaining, is based on the fact that God understood that living with a woman, man has these needs and these desires, and God tethered the two together. He put them two together, and that's why the Torah writes the word she'era. Because when you give her Mizonos, you realize it's not like you're paying Chas Sholem for sexual favors, but since you have this relationship where she is your wife, that you, you, you with her together, you procreate in the next generation and you have the enjoyment, so you realize what Mizonos is for. Okay, so I, I told you it sounds somewhat primitive, but that's the Hezbollah. Now, the Rabbanan came, even according to the Rambam, and made a Takana, that you have to give Mizonos and you have the right to take her Maisiyodov. But Lachora, what's the Nafkamin? If it's already Midarabonon, whether it's Daraisa Darabonon, in terms, for example, let's say here we're talking about the, the Chiv for the Aisha's Kayan. So if the Aisha's Kayan, remember, if she gets raped, so the Chiv Daraisa goes off. It's only a Chiv Darabonon now. So what's the, what will be the Nafkamina? So he says, for example, we know that, um, that, the Rabbanon said that anything that we connect to the Ksuva, quote-unquote, she is a, and, and the man doesn't want to give it, she has a right to go to Bezdin and collect on any land that he has. That's the Gemara. Now, again, later in later generations, the, the later rabbis changed that. But Midin the Gemara, all the Chivim in the Ksuva, whether it's for Mizonos, 
whether after the man uh, dies, or for any of the other chiyuvim that are written into the ksuva, between, that the woman is owed by the man, it's all collected from land ownings that the man has. So this would be the nafgamina. If it turns out that uh, this Aisha's kayan, uh she's owed money, but only from land holdings. But if all if there are no land holdings and all there is is liquid items, what we call metaltalin, so um, she wouldn't be able to get it because there is no chiyav anymore because the the, the sexual relationship is over. Tanaiksuva would only a letter to get from land, and that is one. So that's one answer. Why, according to the Rambam, how the Rambam is answered from the Ramban's question. Okay? Now, he gives a second answer of Kelvin. So he says like this. The second answer is, that maybe there's two dinim in Mazonos. One din is the idea, and he quotes here the Hafla, Rapinchos Halevi Horowitz, that Mazonos, that the Torah says you have to give, is Kidei Kiyum Nafsha. Yeah, that's what the Ebenezer meant, just to keep her alive. As you, As we can see from the Shulchan Aruch, and from the Psach Halacha, you're mechuyiv to give actually two square meals, and on Shabbos three meals, and she has to have what she's used to from her family. The, 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 the amount of food that she has and the type of meals that she has, the rabbis structure it that it should be according to what normal people eat, what she was used to eating. The Torah, however, said... You just have to keep her alive. You have to enough. You know, you don't have to necessarily give her the lavish meals that she was used to. That's what the rabbanon were masaking. But minatayra, minatayra, it was the din of kiyum nafsha, and that's what she'era is. She'era means enough to keep her body alive, right? That would be the din minatayra, and then the rabbanon you would have. Uh, the you would have uh, the other chiyuv, which would go even further. Okay, so that is uh, an example here of how uh, Rav Kelimer, uh explains how you could have these two shitas. And again, uh, he takes us into some interesting uh, parish territory. Uh, the thing I really feel is, uh, uh, I think Rav Kelimer did some very original stuff here, uh, is on this discussion, which is, let's say, we talked about um, feeding her properly, giving her what she needs. Husband has to provide for that. Okay. Let's say, because of economic recession, because of no nothing available, because he lost everything, because of the bank coming and repossessing everything, ain't low michelo person doesn't have money. Now, what, is he, what does he have to do? So some opinions hold that a husband is that 
that what he has to do is he needs to um, go out. And even though he's not used to it, walk around, go to the Home Depot, put a sign around his neck that says, I'm going to work. What do you need? You need you need you need some a guy to, to to spread fertilizer. I'll do that. You need somebody to be able to um, um, you need someone to spread fertilizer. I'll do that. You need someone to to do any sort of a uh, physical labor. You have to you do that to go and, and, and knock on doors and borrow, you're mechuyiv to do that, to provide meals. Some say, what is the chiv? The chiv is only, if you have, you have to give her. Now, what does that mean? That means if you have a field, but the workers didn't show up today. You got to go out there and pick the, the the stuff, bring it in, bring it into the mill, because you have it. Now, this is a machlokas, as you can see in the footnote, between Rabbeinu Eliyahu and Rabbeinu Tam. These are some of the very earliest baliatesis. Rabbeinu Eli, they were both in France, of course. Rabbeinu Tam uh, uh, and 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 Rabbeinu Elio. Rabbeinu Elio was. In Paris, uh, he's known as Rabbiyo Mi Paris, and he was the Reish Bezdin or one of the Ave Bezdin in Paris. Rabbeinu Tam was a contemporary, and they argued about this essential halacha: Does a hus- is a husband mechuyiv lahaskir atzmai in order to um, to provide? Now, uh, this is brought in Shulchan Aruch, as Rav Kelmer points out, and I've. Uh, I have this here for you, so we can take a look in Shulchan Aruch as well. And you can see I have the Shulchan Aruch uh, open. So this is Shulchan Aruch, Simon Ayin and Evan Ezer. And when it speaks about how much you have to give uh, Mizonos, and it speaks again, Lechem of Shtei Sudos Pachol Yom, and also a little bit of a dessert or something to dip into the bread, a parparos, not a dessert, but some sort of dip or something, some hummus or some other other foods, other little meat dishes or something that goes with the bread. Um, shaman, a little bit of wine. Now, Shabbos, there has to be three meals, and there should be meat and fish. Okay. Now, that is the Chiyav Mizonos, the way the Rabbanan structure it. And as the Machaber writes, as I mentioned before, that's if you're a poor person. But if you're an Oshir, obviously you shouldn't eat in a way where you're eating a lavish meal and your wife is eating much less. Okay. Here comes the uh, the, the Machlokas Rabbeinu Tam and Rabbeinu Elio. It's on the piece of the Shulchan Aruch where the Shulchan Aruch writes, Let's say you're so poor and you can't, you aren't able uh, to give her anything, and you can't then, what's the halacha? You're so poor, you can't provide. So the Machaber writes that we force a divorce. If you're so poor that you're not able to provide for your wife, then she doesn't have to live and, and, and starve. We force a divorce on the person, and this way perhaps she'll get married to someone else who could provide for her better. 
Now, the Ramo, and this is the Hago, the Ramo, I put it in a different font. He writes, Yesh Oymramod, the Chayev Lahasker Atzmo Kapoyel Velazainishto. Because there's another option here before divorce. The other option is that what he could do is go to the Home Depot, rent himself out, do whatever it takes. But this is, as you can see, a Yesh Omrim. That's the Yesh Omrim. Now, um, I just want to point out earlier, the Ramah says, Yesh Omrim, She'ein Kofano Solahotzi Ma'acher She'ein Lo, and that is Rabbeinu Tam. So it's interesting that the Machaber doesn't mention Rabbeinu Eliyahu, who says that he has to rent himself out, that he's Mechuyiv to do whatever it takes. But what he does say is that if he doesn't come up with the money, we're going to force a divorce. On the opposite side of the spectrum is the Rabbeinu Tam, who says that if he's an Oni, basically we understand that he's an Oni. He doesn't have it. And even though you'll say, well, come on, everybody is able to get money in some way, Rabbeinu Tam disagrees. Rabbeinu Elio holds that even before the divorce, we should say, look, go out and work. Go out and borrow money. Go to the Home Depot and and, and and give yourself over to be an indentured person in order to provide the Mizonos for your wife. That's the sheet of Rabbeinu Elio. Now, uh, it's a mach- Rabbeinu Elio is mentioned in the Tosfus in Ksuvis and Daf Samach Gimel, as Rav Kelmer points out. Rav Kelmer also points out that the Taz and others quote the Marami Rutenberg that say that in Germany and in France, the Shita Rabbeinu Leo was considered a, uh, a, a Shita that should be accepted. That the, oh, that the, that the husband is Mechuyiv to go rent himself out. He's Mechuyiv to do whatever it takes. And if it goes, means borrowing and getting himself more in debt, doesn't make a difference. You got to provide Mezainas for your wife. However, uh, the Vilnagon in his beer on Shulchan Aruch, writes that Rove Poskim, and again, this was from the Gon looking from his perch, saw that most Poskim, despite the passion that the sheet of Rabbeinu Leo has, and it seems to be one that seems to be connected very much with concern for uh, for the woman, mo- most, he says, most Poskim hold like, or more in line with the sheet of Rabbeinu Tam. So this is really what gets Rav Kelimer going in terms of this basic machlekes between these two giants of these two early baleatesis. So I want to show you what Rabbi Kelmer does. And again, let's take a look. So as you can see here, he brings here the machlekes. And he says, what's the hezber in the machlekes between Rabbeinu Tam and Rabbeinu Leo? So he says, you could say, Rabbeinu Tam holds the Mizonos is a din mamon. Okay. In other words, the Chi of Mizonos is a Din Mamon, maybe from the Rabbanon or whatever, even from the Torah. And you never force a person who owes money to become an Evid or to become a uh, an indentured worker for days to pay off a debt. That's just not the way it works. When it comes to uh, owing money, of course, you owe the money, and Besden can 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 be very strict with you, but they can't necessarily force 
a change in your life. Now, what they do have a right, as you're aware, they do have the right to look and see what do you got at home? Oh, you, you got stuff. You've got, you've got certain items. So if, if they decide they can like, so like go into bankruptcy court, so to speak, and say, you've got stuff. You don't need all this stuff. Uh, you can sell this and, and, and pay off your, pay off the creditors. That is true. But they don't go so far to totally change your lifestyle and make you be involved in something that you weren't doing. Well, come on. Everybody knows if you stand by the road and you stand by the Home Depot, you'll be able to get $45 every day by going and painting houses and doing fertilizer work. No, they don't make you do that. But, and that's why Rabbeinu Tom holds that it's a din that you don't have to uh, do that because it's a chayv. Whereas Rabbeinu Leo says, Again, Sir Kellimer's Hesber, midin kviala mitzvahs, because it's a mitzvah. Why? Because it could be, now he wants to say that Rabbeinu Leo holds like that Ramba, that really there's a chi of daraisa to give mizonos. It's not just, and therefore it becomes a mitzvah. In other words, something that the rabbis create, they didn't really make it a mitzvah. What they do is they make you a balchayv to your wife. So just like any type of understandable debt. You now owe the money because you took something. Chazal say you need, whether it has to do with the Maiseadayim that you get from her or from whatever other sort of perspective they had, you owe her the money like any Balchov. Like any Balchov, though, there's a limit. Whereas the Rabbeinu Leo, as Rav Kelmer suggests, holds perhaps like the Rambam. But the Chiv is from the Torah. When the Torah makes that Chiv, it almost creates it more than a Chiv. It's more than just a momon chiv. It becomes a mitzvah from the Torah. So it's like a, a mitzvah is similar to an isur. So we know, for example, a person has to give, a person, uh, when it comes to isurim, not to be over an isur, he has to go and, and, and give away his money. He, has to, he, he loses all his money not to be over isurim. Right? You, not, losing your money is not an excuse not to be over an isur. So since this is like an isur, not providing for her, so you've got to do everything to make sure that you provide for her, not to be over that isur. So that is what Rav Kelmer thought originally. However, then he discovered this Hagos Maimonis in Hilchas Ishus. Okay? So I looked this up. And Rav Kelmer, I think I might be incorrect here, but he says, Huva Chuvas Rabbeinu Tam now, I, I have it here, and I'm going to show it to you right now. Uh, the uh, tshuva of Rabbeinu Tam. That he... So this is the tshuva from Rabbeinu Tam, supposedly. Now, when the Hagos Maimani, which is a uh, 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 Hagos from the from on the Rambam's work Mishnah Torah, he quotes this as Aviosov. Aviosov was actually the famous German Godel Rabbeinu uh, um, Eliezer ben Rabbeinu Halevi, also known as the Ravio. And Aviosov is a collection of chuvas from the Ravio. Um, who was a who was younger than Rabbeinu Tam, a student uh, and a friend of Relezer Mimitz, the Sefer Yireim, who was a Talmud of Rabbeinu Tam. And he uh, was the Godel Ador of Germany. 
his Rebbe, his son, I'm sorry, his Talmud was the Orza Ruah. And uh, from there we get to the Marami, Rutenberg and the other greats of Germany. So the Aviosov is, 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 is the Ravio. So the Ravio said, he wrote this truth. He says, you're telling me the Rabboni Tsarfas are upset at me. Why are they saying it? They're saying, You're saying that I am, my psak is terrible for all the Jewish women. Because I'm saying that the Baal doesn't have to go and rent himself out to, to give them Parnosa. So he says, look, I'm not saying that we should, when, the, when a get question comes up, or when a woman goes to Besden about a husband who's a scofflaw, or whatever it is, clearly in each individual case, if you want to decide that this guy is a good for nothing, and in this situation, it's clearly he could go to work, He's got strong muscles. He's used to painting. He's just deciding to stay on the couch and watch the uh, playoffs now. So you have a right in this situation to say, Besden, in your little town, go and work. And we can force you to do that. Because we find sometimes, we, we, we find sometimes Knossos do take place. We do find that sometimes people consent. Like Rav Nachman, there was a constant a certain gazelin to make him pay. When he make right, then he didn't. But to give a psak that's wrong, to actually say that every single uh, poor husband is to work and rent himself out and, and, and get himself greater in debt, that's not right. Why? We don't find that you need to sell yourself ever to pay the, the super responsibility. The terror writes it where you're so poor that you have nothing. That's where the terror writes you sell yourself as an effort. Um, and, and even there, when you sell yourself as an evid, the terror has Rachmanus on you, the Ravio writes, and you go out in six years. You don't stay indentured forever. Like six years is the most. And even a poel, and this gets into the, the subtopic of our shir today, which is avodim la avodim. Even if a person is a poel, person who's hiring himself out to work for the whole day. Yeah, the guy at Home Depot, the guy who says, look, you need us, you need somebody to work for you. Okay. Even if it's for something specific, even if it's for, uh, being a caterer or whatever it is that you were supposed to do. A poel, according to, the sheet of Rav in Halacha, is able to quit his job in the middle. Now, does he owe him, uh, does he owe money? Okay, that's another question. If he was paid in advance, he has to pay back. But a person that you hire to work for you, Rav says, and again, I know this doesn't sound right, a poel has a right to quit a job in the middle of the job. Why? Rav says why. Because to be forced to do something where you're not happy with the way uh, the Balsim, the, let's say, a catering guy, and the guy's screaming at him. The guy's saying, no, where's it been? No, where's the soup coming in? No, no, I want you guys over here today. No, right. And the caterer and the worker's saying, nah, I'm sick of this. You're ordering me around? You're making me run around? You can take your uh, catering outfit and throw it down and say, yeah, take this job. I'm not taking it anymore. You have a right to do that. Why? 
because it's called, Rob says, you can say, I'm an Evet to Hashem. Ki li b'nei Yisrael avodim, the Pasuk says. Lo avodim v'lavodim. Lo avodim. Why? Because to be actually submit yourself to someone else, that's already a, a pigam in being an Evet Hashem. It's funny, again, all, most of you, you work for IDT. I guess I work for IDT too in a certain way, right? The, providing these shiurim, whatever. So or, or, can we stop? The truth is yes. <laughs> right? Right? So now, 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 now you could say you're a coblin. Now, coblin is something different. The people here, for example, in this year that we're all good friends, I don't think any of us are coblonim. Right? That would be, let's say, for example, uh, Howard would want one of us to come in and uh, do some computer work or something like that, or whatever it is. So we would be hired to be Kabbalanim. We have a certain skill. We get paid for that object. So that's not like an Evid at all. But when you're a Poel, Rav is saying, the Gemara and Baba Kama and many other places, a Poel, really, in a way, the, what's over his head, this responsibility that he has to answer to whatever the Balabas says, that's a, set, that's a type of Avdus. Now, if that's true, the Ravio goes on. Imtomar, yes, sir. So then we shouldn't be able to take such jobs where we are poelim. Now, again, the reason why you're technically not this type of poel, because you're not hired by the day. You're hired by the year. You have a contract that, that you know, you're supposed to work for a year or a two-year contract. So in a way, it's a little bit different than the poel Rav was talking about. But still, the, the basic idea is the same. So why do you have a right to become, let's say, a day worker and you'll do whatever the person wants? Even Because you have the right to quit, because you have the right to say, I'm not doing this, that shows you're not really an Evid. Okay. And therefore, if you'd be forced to do this for your wife, this would be a chisaron in becoming like an Evid. And the same way you don't become an Evid to earn money from someone who hires you, despite the, the fact that you're going to disappoint them, you don't become an Evid to work to provide for your wife as well. Now, the Rav Yoh brings a Raya from a Korban. We know when it comes to Korbonos, you take a look here, and uh, in, 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 in the beginning, at the end of, of Parshas Vayikra, we talk about the carbon oil of Yorate. So the carbon oil of Yorate, we know a person does an Avera, he makes a false Shvua, he goes to the base of Mikdash Tomei. So the Torah writes, you know, he's got to bring a lot of Korbonos. He's got to bring a Chathas. Uh-huh. All right. But Imlo Tagia Yodo, they said, if he doesn't have the money for the Chathas, so he brings an Osham, he brings two birds, which are a lot cheaper. Now, one is going to be an Oila, one is going to be a Chat, the one will still be a Chat, this one's an Ola, right? So there you have the Korban Olavio, right? And then, of course, if he's, if he's so poor that he can't afford the birds, we let him bring a Mincha. Okay, so this is the Korban Olavio that has a sliding scale. What do Chazal say on this Pasuk? Ein Omerin lo lulavos. One second. Why did the Torah write that? Why did the Torah make the sliding scale? The Torah could have just said, you did this Avera, you're chay of achatas, go work, baby, till you have the money to pay for achatas. 
So you see that we don't say that. We don't make him borrow money. We don't make him take on a certain type of work. So that's what Chazal say by the Korban Oyleviorate. So now the Ravio says that that's the same thing by all Chiyuvim. In fact, he's going to say, as you're going to see in a minute, we don't make him go out to work. So he says, We could have said, you know what? Wait, you'll make some money, and this way you'll bring a better carbon. No. You bring the cheaper carbon. Koshkin de Gabi Hedyot, if by when it deals with the base Mikdosh, we give you this option, we don't make you go and bring a, 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 a we go out and borrow money. We don't make you work and now earn enough money to able to afford an animal. So Koshkin Gabi Hedyot, and therefore, you don't have to do that for your wife either. You don't have to do that for God to bring the carbon. So uh, that is the, um, when he just says, let me, let me finish off here. So therefore, then he says, nearly Pierce Rabbeinu Zikni, that's the Ravon, um uh, that's the Rav Yoh's grandfather, that, of course, if he has the money, you better beat him up. And there I agree. If he has the money and he doesn't want to give, get a divorce here. And if he makes money, of course, he's like any other Balchov. Okay. So this, Rav Kellimer says, this, he quotes, he assumes, and I, I don't know if Rav Kellimer is correct, he assumes this is Rabbeinu Tam's own opinion. It definitely is someone who is paskening like Rabbeinu Tam. It definitely is someone paskening like Rabbeinu Tam, the Rav Yoh, and that's good enough. So you see, Rav Kellimer says, that You would never have to be masquer yourself, even if it is an Easter. How does Rav Kelmer Kel- see this? Because Rabbeinu Tam brings a raya from, from what? He brings a raya from Korbanos, where there's a chiyuv, where there's a mitzvah to bring it. And you don't have to. So you see that it's not the pshat that Rabbeinu Tam holds, it's a regular chiyuv mamon. Even if it would be as strong as a, as a mitzvah, you're not mechuyiv to be to go that far. Why? Because you never violate the idea of avodim below avodim lo avodim. So if that's the case, Rav Kelmer says, what does Rabbeinu Elio hold? He must hold there's a difference between a sochir and an eved. That basically, that <laughs> an eved, you're right, you don't sell yourself. But going out to work, you're not really an Eved. And even though Rav in the Gemara and Babakama says you can quit, 
he still feels that it's not a real Eved. And that's one thing. Then Rav Kelmer goes on. It sounds like this machlokas might even be a machlokas, even if you're a regular Balchov. Meaning, maybe, according to Rabbi Leo, it's not just a case of, 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 of owing your wife money. How about when you owe anyone money from a debt? It could be Rabbi Leo would hold, again, Rav Kelmer is going back completely the other way. Look what he's done here. I just want to show you in this paragraph. He started off saying there's a machlokas whether what you owe your wife is a mitzvah or a chiyav mama. It's chiyav mama, and you don't have to rent yourself out as a as, as a as a wage slave. As according, if you hold it's a chiyav mitzvah, you do have to. But then he showed you that from this tshuva that he thinks is from a benutam from the raviyah that even if it's a mitzvah, you're not mechuyev too. So now he wants to actually go the total opposite direction, that maybe both opinions hold that ultimately what you owe your wife is like any debt that you owe anybody. But it could be Rabbeinu Elio holds that whenever you owe someone a debt, it becomes a mitzvah on you to do. Just like we know that sukkah or lulav, we can beat you up, uh, to be Makayim that mitzvah. So it could be, uh, Rav Kelimer declares, that maybe according to Rabbeinu Elio, every mitzvah in the world, right? I'm sorry, you, you're mechuyiv to, to do whatever it takes. So owing money is also a mitzvah. So even though it's a chi of mamon, any chi of mamon is a mitzvah of paying your debts. Whereas, uh, the Rabbeinu Tam holds that when it comes to paying debts, paying debts, you have to do that, but it doesn't, it, ne- it never affects you so deeply that you have to change your life and, 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 and do things that are out of what your normal life experiences are right now. Now, um, I'm going to end here with uh, one other addition, um, and that is in, in the later part of the book, uh, when Rav Kelmer goes in to explain every word in the Ksuva, uh, he go, we know that part of the Ksuva are the words, ona eflach, that I will work for you. Now, um, you might be familiar, get your Ksuva out, you can see that. What does that mean, I will work for you? So the the it's it's clear from the Rishon already. In fact, Rabbeinu Leo or Rabbeinu Tam, that according to Rabbeinu Leo, this is one of his proofs in the in the Mitzvahs and Suvis. Eflach means I'll work. Polach, I'm going to go out and do whatever work it takes for you. You wrote that in the Suva. That's what you're going to do for her. Even though that's not what you're trained to do, you're going to go do that. Rabbeinu Tam says, "What does Eflach mean?" Eflach means I'll go out and, and, and go work in the field and mill the corn that's there already. But I'm not going to necessarily change my life completely. Now, um, what does Rabbeinu Elio do with the Torres Kohanim that we saw? That we saw by, so he says, over there, Rav Kelleber says, Rabbeinu Elio would hold, that's a Kiddush in the Torah. Remember what we just saw the Rav Yod do. Well, if it's true for Carbonos, it's definitely true everywhere. No, that's not true. <laughs> he says, 
in the carbon oliviorade, the Torah gives you three possibilities. If you don't have the money, pay the lesser amount and give a lesser carbon. So therefore, you're not mechuyiv to go and do that because right now you're an ani and that option is open for you. That's the legislation of the Torah. But if the Torah never creates that option, it just says you owe the money, right? So obviously you got to do whatever it takes, even by a carbon. Let's say a regular chattis, where you ate chaylev without realizing it, and you owe the you, you now owe the amount of a chattis to the base amikdash. So then you go and do it. There is no olivyorate situation. Now you're poor. We'll wait till you have the money. And you know what? We're not just going to wait. We're going to make you go and, and go to the and work whatever it takes so you can afford the carbon. In fact, Rav Kelmer says, I don't really understand how Rabbeinu Tam or the Rav Yo even brought a raya from the case of Olaviorate. Although, if you take a look at the Lushan, you see, he says, if it's true for Hektish, it's for sure true for non-Hektish. But Lachora, Rav Kelmer says, look, over here, the Torah wrote three possibilities. Clearly, that's why Chazal say you don't have to go out and get more money. Because just take advantage of the possibility that's open to you. So what's Rabbeinu Tam's raya from there? So Rav Kelimer says, it must be that maybe Rabbeinu Tam holds that carbon oliviorade, what does that mean? Who should carbon usher harezehu etzim chiyuvo ve'eno betoras carbon oni? In other words, basically what this is telling you is not that by Oliviorad, you have three options. You can go one, two, or three. Really, when the Torah wrote, bring the animal, that's your etzim chiyuv. That's your etzim chiyuv. And obviously, if you'd be rich and you would bring the Ani's carbon, you wouldn't be outside. So, if the truth is you always would have to, whatever mitzvah it was, you'd always have to rent yourself out to be Makayim. So how could the Torah say that, hmm, if you don't have the money, bring the bring the cheaper carbon. Lachora if the etzim chiv is the chattis, and a person always has the potential to make that money, so that means that's your chiv. You're you are an usher. So the Torah, by showing you that these options exist, indicate that ashirus is only what's within your potential right now. But to go through a radical change in your life in order to be able to get that money, that's not who you are now. Whereas according to Rabbeinu Eliyahu, the Torah, the Etzim Chiv is one of the three. Wherever you are at this moment, that's Korban Oliviorid. And that's why you can't bring a Raya from Korban Oliviorid to anywhere else. Whereas according to Rabbeinu Tam, Korban Oliviorid is Be'etzem, again, the three levels, each one is set in stone, which means if you're an usher, this is your carbon. But usher means even the potential to have the money. 
if if you say he's he can go and rent himself out. It must be that that's not true. It must be that the potential to go get the money doesn't mean it's like you have it now. So it's illogical for the Torah to even give that option unless we don't consider you able to have the money at this moment. And we can't force that. Because if we could, the Torah couldn't really even create option number two. So this is a a, a very subtle argument between Rabbeinu Tam and Rabbeinu Eliyahu, how to understand what the Torah did by carbon oliviorate. Now, I think I've shown you uh, how (laughs) Rav Kelimer, in just trying to explain the words of the Ksuva, has uh, gone into, and again, there's even more here that we're not doing. But I think it shows you a lot of his Avasatayra. And it shows you, I think, despite the fact that you could argue about some of the things and feel that some of the things are a little not muhrach, you can see that he wasn't just trying to write um, a, a handbook. His, his love of the ideas and the, 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 the way he was trying to, to give them a lumdish uh, explanation and understanding the way he, the, the research that he did that was involved in it, uh, the connections to, as you can see, the Evan also and other great achronim that he's quoting, shows you how this was something where he was going to tie this up in a package where the standard rabbi could have this 60-page book and know what the ksuv is about. But anyone who is really an interested party would be able to really drink out of the sweetness of learning the sweetness of, 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 of Torah and, and how the ideas really uh, connect together way beyond what you actually do uh, for each husband and wife. And that really, I think, shows you where Rav Kelmer was operating really in these two levels. On one hand, he was the, 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 the prototypical rabbi you understood. Uh, it was Masader Kedushan, hundreds and hundreds of, of cases and knew Allah is cold. On the other hand, what was really behind it was this incredible energy and this incredible quicksilver mind that was so full of ideas. You can see even in this one footnote how he's going back and forth in these two footnotes that we've seen the first and the second one, how he's going back and forth, three or four, five or six different possibilities and the, and, and the wealth of, of sources uh, that he provides for us. And again, that should be, as we said before, I think the eyes of Rav Kelmer. I think the, the ideas and the mind, I think, are preserved here. And if, if I might just say, if we can hold that, that head of, uh, of, that was so glorious and hold it in our hands like Rabbi Shmolka and Godel and be able to, to look within them, I think that we'd be really able to appreciate who he was and the immensity of our loss. Thanks for joining us for another episode from the Yeshiva of Newark at IDT Podcast. Be sure to subscribe on your favorite podcast app so you don't miss a single episode.